I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Singer, actress, and Broadway phenomenon, Cynthia Erivo. Cynthia moved audiences to tears with her star-making performance in the revival of The Color Purple on Broadway. As Seely, she brought down the house night after night with her heart-stopping performance of I'm Here. And she's here. Listen, I'm not even going to try to even hum in your presence, okay? I won't even try to hum. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Whenever I would leave a scene, The Color Purple, I saw it so many times, the songs would sort of be inside my spirit, mm. and I, I couldn't let go. Yeah. And waking up in the middle of the night to go pee, <laughs> I would still be singing. Did that happen to you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I felt like in the most wonderful way, I was like stuck in a loop of the songs. Like, yeah. I used to get asked what my favorite song of the show was, Yes. and it would change. Maybe, all the time. Yeah, it would change all the time. Maybe for a week it would be I'm here, and then the next week it would be Dear God, Sophia, and then the next week it would be uh, The Color Purple, and then it would be someone else's song. You know, it would change, but it was like a record that kept going. We first met, actually, when you were cast as Celie in yeah. the revival of The Color Purple mm-hmm. on Broadway, and your performance was transcendent. Thank you. It changed or resonated deeply with everybody who saw the performance. You know, I love that moment where everybody would just like, they couldn't (laughs) stay in their seats and they would just rise up and start (laughs) applauding in the middle of the song. You must have loved that too. I loved it, um, but never expected it. So I would be like, every day I would go into it like fresh, slate is clean, whatever happens, happens. And when it would happen, it would be like, Okay. I did it again. Okay, done it again. Good. We did it today. But how do you not come to expect it when all of a sudden, I would think it would disrupt the performance, you know, in the middle of singing. And then they're like, and if people didn't get up at a certain point, you're like, oh, they're not getting up yet. Right? Do you know what? I always found like, if I didn't expect anything from them, if if I saw them, saw my audiences, new people who, even though some people had seen Mm -hmm. it many times, but I just thought of them as new people who were coming to this without any idea of what was going to happen, I then didn't have any idea what was going to happen. Yeah, and I that's just wanted the way to, to be, like... to be fully present. Yeah. So you got a Tony, mm-hmm. a Grammy, yeah. an Emmy mm-hmm. yeah. for playing Seely on Broadway mm-hmm. in The Color Purple. And now there's talk, even like whispers for Harriet. Oh, you're gonna end up with a with an EGOT. You know oh, that, right? Okay. At some point in your life, that's gonna, that's gonna happen. That would be nice. Do you believe that you sort of manifested this dream for yourself? I think so. I think that I have never put any boundaries or limits on myself. Yeah. I think I've consistently given myself goals and dreams and gone, okay, that's good. Now what? I know over lunch you were saying that you run into people all the time who dream too small. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I think, uh, and I, it's weird having the conversation with these because I think for many people, dreaming is whimsical. Yeah. And it's a far away, airy fairy, unearthly thing. But I think it's really grounding, actually. I, I actually think that to dream 
to to be very specific about the things that you want in your life, to see them clearly, actually helps to bring them into fruition. That's why you're writing a children's book yes. about not just dreaming, but to dream specific. Yes. That is the thing that people miss. I want to tell y'all, that's the thing that's missing from the dream. Yeah. People just say, oh, I just want a man, or yeah. I just want this. And I, you have to be specific exactly. about what it is, yeah. right? Yeah, because from experience, maybe uh, you don't have to believe, but I believe whenever I've put out a dream or a, a want or a need and have not put the detail on it, it comes to me in a really different way. And I'm like, I'll oh, see now I did ask for this, didn't I? I just didn't put the detail in it. So yes. Yeah. And when I dream with the detail, that's what I get. Well, yes, because Cynthia, I know this for sure, <laughs> that we are co-creating yeah. with the big creator yeah. our lives. Yeah. And so it comes as you ask. Yeah. 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 I like that. You figured that out. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you figured that out. So I read it was important for you to know and to be able to show the world, actually, the story of a real human being becoming a superhero. Mm -hmm. that's, is that why you chose Harriet? Harriet opens November 1st. It tells the true story of one of the most iconic women in American history, Harriet Tubman. Known as the Moses of her people, the feature film is the first to tell Harriet's story from runaway slave to one of the most revered abolitionists of her time. Believing she was led by God, Harriet Tubman achieved the impossible, guiding more than 70 slaves to freedom on the Underground Railroad. As Harriet, Cynthia Erivo is stunning. You chose Harriet or did Harriet choose you? That's the question. I think she chose me. Yeah. I, I think that she's too powerful of a person, of a being, of a spirit to have anything forced upon her. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think she had a hand in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So Harriet came about because someone had come to see the, the color you purple. on the color purple on Broadway yes. yeah. and said, that's Harriet. Yeah. 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 We sat and we had a meeting and she said, there's the script that I'd like you to have a look at. We think you're really right for this character. And then she said it was Harriet Tubman. I almost fell out of my seat. And then I thought I wanted to make sure that the story was told in the right way because the thing I knew the moment she said that was that I didn't want to just give the world or the viewers the thing that we've already seen, you know, the the picture, the that myth, we see, the myth. myth, I, the myth. I didn't want that. I think that's so hard so challenging yeah. and you stepped up and did it to take something that's been the myth mm -hmm. our superhero this mythical idea of a woman mm -hmm. and make her real yeah. how did you start to ground that i wanted to find out about her love i wanted to find out about if there were any details about her personality the way she was i knew that she had a bit of a temper from time to time mm -hmm. which i loved because it was different it was yes. not something it was almost something that was marring against the image that you see of her, which is usually quite right. still yeah. and stoic. And learning about her marriage between John. John. And she was a young woman who was deeply in love with someone. And I think that that shifts things. You know, when you know that someone was loved and loved back, yes. it means that things come from a different place because that's where it started. And I don't think people know that. I don't think that they know that this woman was in love with a man that she came back to and had her heart broken. Mm -hmm. And that's where the challenges begin, that's where the work began, out of love and heartbreak. Mm -hmm. That, I think, we all understand. As women, we definitely understand that. 
And I wanted people to, to get that that's what she, she had those feelings and she felt that way and that she was human. What did you do to actually prepare for it though? I mean, there's a stripping down yeah. and then there's an also building up. I yeah. mean, cause Harriet Tubman, that's our girl, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. That's... Yeah. I knew that I had to get out of the way, get rid of any vanity, because it wasn't useful. I didn't really care what I looked like as long as it looked like her. I did the research. Uh, physically, I was working out and trying, because I really didn't want to be on set figuring out how to do something with my body. I wanted it to be ready already so I didn't have mm -hmm. to think about so it. So there's running and climbing running, and being climbing, chased and all that all of and that, falling. Getting on and all a horse, yeah. jumping off a ho all of it, walking into carrying the water. Carrying that rifle carrying. around, which yep. looked kind of heavy. Very heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Very heavy. Uh, and you know, to be physically prepared meant that I could leave the space for my, my mind and my thoughts. I prayed every day. Mm -hmm. I asked to make the space safe for Harriet to come into mm -hmm. um, because I felt like if, if she knew the space was safe for her, she could be there, that she could be like a guide. Mm -hmm. Casey and I sat and talked about her voice. You know that voices and music is like, it's my second language. Yes. And it's also my way into people, my way into characters, finding out what their rhythm is, where they hold their tension, where mm -hmm. they hold their breath. And so talking about that, trying to find out where she would exist vocally mm -hmm was really helpful because it meant that it would change the way she spoke, the rhythm she used. Mm -hmm. That was really helpful. And it also informed how I would use my face, looking at pictures of her face, like when did the downturn mouth come from? When, when did that happen? Because there has to have been happiness at some point as a person who was in love, but then what journey did she take to get to this point? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. The process is fascinating. Yeah. And the preparation is fascinating. Mm. And then you're doing all of this, and of course, you know we were gonna talk about this, then the hateration starts to show up. There's that hateration <laughs> all over social media. And actually, even preparing for the show, well, my producer said, you should go on and you should read some of the stuff. I don't take the vitriol in, mm -hmm. not even for you. Mm -hmm. So I'm aware of the hateration, yeah. and I'm aware that there are people who were really upset mm -hmm. that you, a Brit, mm -hmm. are playing our beloved Harriet Tubman. Mm -hmm. And what do you want to say about that? I want to say that I understand where some of it comes from. I understand that there is a lack for us as actors, as mm -hmm. women of color, as black actresses, yes. when it comes to playing roles that are full and grounded and have gravitas. But I also want people to know that I worked really hard and that nothing I have ever gotten has come to me without that. And I want people to see it first, mm -hmm. you know? See it and then make your judgments, is what I, what I say. Give me a chance. But what about this whole notion of Brits shouldn't be allowed to play Americans and vice versa, which is interesting mm -hmm. because when you hear this argument, you know, when Meryl Streep played mm -hmm. Margaret Thatcher, when Daniel Day-Lewis played Lincoln, mm -hmm nobody said anything. Mm -hmm. It's just like, isn't, isn't that a wonderful thing? Yeah. And there are those of us who believe that the best actor should have the role, period, mm -hmm. period. I think so too. I think that the best actor should have the role. And I think that there is a world in which we can play different people. Yeah. Like, I didn't become an actress to play loads of English women. Yes. I became an actress to play really wonderful characters. Some of those characters might be South African, some of them might be American, 
Some of them might be Scandinavian if we get the chance. Like, it, to me, it's, it's about whether or not I can truthfully tell the story fully. And if that is what I can do, then, then that's why I'm playing the role. I read that you've struggled both physically and emotionally trying to stay in character. What was that like? Tough. Because, you know, there are some actors, like Daniel Day-Lewis, mm. when I, I, I spoke to him, when he was playing Lincoln, mm. he was Lincoln, he was there, and even Spielberg had everybody, including the crew, yeah. dressing in period so that wherever he looked, it felt like yeah. you were in that world. Yeah. You chose not to be in that world yeah. all the time, yeah. in her space yeah. or her in your space. Yeah. Why? A couple of reasons. I think that for me it was important to be able to leave her alone for a second and find the light mm -hmm. and find yourself again, recenter. Yeah. And also because I believe that as number one on the set, I don't want to disappear from everyone because I still want to be accessible to everyone who's on set. Mm -hmm. I still want to be there for for people. Yeah, number one on set means you're the first person yeah. who's called, you have the most lines, you're the yeah. person who everything else is revolving yeah. around, yeah. Because I, I think that's, that's as important as playing the character, mm -hmm. genuinely. You know, I really believe that if I s stayed in her the entire time, I couldn't have experienced being with everybody else. And I think being with everyone else and speaking to everybody else helped to inform how I played her. It mm -hmm. meant that I felt comfortable enough to know that I was safe with the people I was around to give her the right body to be in. I guess, yeah. and it's tough as well. Like yeah. physically, it's tough. It's, it just hurts yeah. to be in for that amount of time. Like it just does. Yeah, because you're you, carrying the weight yeah. of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. What did you learn about her, Harriet Tubman? Yeah. And also, what did she teach you about yourself? Hmm. I about her. A few things. I learned that this is a woman that was underestimated yeah. consistently and against all that managed to change the world yeah i think that's a beautiful learning that's a beautiful learning for you because throughout a lot of my life yeah. before the show took off i was always underestimated mm -hmm. and even you know for many years afterwards and it's the most wonderful yeah. thing <laughs> It's the most <laughs> wonderful thing yeah. when people underestimate you. So anybody out there where people are underestimating you, oh, take it, rebel in it. You, you know why? Because you get to surprise them yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you get to blow them out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think it helped me notice a pattern in my life as well, because I think I have often been underestimated mm -hmm. um, and often surprised people mm -hmm. because of it, which is a fun thing to be a part of, yes. for sure. But um, she taught me that I am far stronger than I think I am, both physically and mentally. Yes. That I have the capacity to tell some of the hardest stories, but still keep my humanity and still be a lover and a, and a fighter at the same time. I think that she gave me a great appreciation for the women that I have been surrounded by who have put the work in to be where they are and have yeah. put me where I am. And you can understand that whether your ancestors were slaves mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. what, it, what it did for me as, as a descendant of slaves though is just, I can't imagine walking a hundred miles 
not even knowing where I was going. I can't imagine the trauma mm-hmm. of all of that. And you're out there by yourself. I can't imagine. A friend imagine. made a joke, he, he said, she didn't have any Nikes. There were no Nikes on There were no feet. Nikes. There's, no, there, there's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. Just, and you know, you're just following the North just, Star. And there isn't like a path that says no. this way north. No. Yeah, it just, it, it astounds me. Every, and every time I see any kind of story about slavery or I'm reminded of where we've come from, it mm-hmm. just, it, it, it gives me such strength and fortitude. Did it do the same for you? Yeah, it's, it's the discovery of the strength of human spirit and will mm-hmm. where the impossible becomes possible. Mm-hmm. And you're sort of like, so if this, if this person could do this on her own, with no help. Yeah. And she was young. This is yeah. the thing we don't realize. She was young. Yeah. How old was I, she? I think she was, I think she was, when it was happening, 25. Wow. I have no excuses. Yeah. We have no excuses. No excuses. No excuses. Yeah. Yeah. So you want people to experience it, to see it before judging it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, this is a career like no other. I mean, you must be walking in the light because, you know, just recently we heard you're going to be playing Aretha Franklin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in an yeah. eight-part biopic mm-hmm. of National Geographic mm-hmm. in their Genius series. Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> I think Clive saw me... So I did a performance at the Tonys just recently of Can You Feel the Love Tonight? And I think he yes, saw, saw that. saw that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think he saw that video and thought... This, she might be it. And I had some conversations and... Oh my gosh. So within a couple of years, you had the weight of Harriet Tubman and now the weight (laughs) of Aretha Franklin. Yeah. 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 And that feels like what to you? Is it exciting or is there there some fear in there? It's it's both. Uh I'm extremely excited because I, I loved... Aretha, mm-hmm. love her, like deeply. I cried when, when she left, mm-hmm. cried. And I want to tell her story as fully as I possibly can because this woman was incredible. And I'm also scared. I, I think if, if there's no fear in something, then it's probably not the thing you need to do. Yeah. There has to be some, some fear, some thrill in it because then it, and it's not just a simple, easy thing to do. So does it also, I don't know, is the word intimidate you or challenge you? The fact that Jennifer Hudson is doing a version, a motion picture. Well, you know, it's like uh, ta Coates said he had this idea for writing Water Dancer mm-hmm. and then had been working on it for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then Colson Whitehead came out with the Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. And there was a part of him in that moment that thought, Oh, now there's the slavery book. <laughs> so what am I going to do? Because yeah. there's, a, and, and he says now he is not proud of the fact that he had that thought mm-hmm. that there, there could only be one. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't, I don't feel intimidated or scared. I'm actually really excited. I'm excited because that means there's more than one telling of her story. Oh, and good. I think it's how I feel about Harriet as well. I feel like you're the first need, one, though. Yeah. Okay. But there needs to be more. Yeah. And. I can't compare myself to Jennifer because Jennifer's Jennifer. She's yeah, her. Yeah. I can only be me. Yeah. So I can give you my version and she can give you her version. And there's two versions to choose from. Yes. 
glorious. Glorious. Why that not? We get, that we get an opportunity to experience yeah. both versions. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see her version. <laughs> I want to see her version, version, and I want to see your version. <laughs> yeah. Excited. Yeah. Excited to do it. Yeah, very. So what will the preparation be for that? I have started already. There's plenty of reading to do. There's plenty of learning to do. I like learning her voice is going to be really fun mm -hmm. to, to learn where the like where the crevices are, where the, the peaks and valleys are in her voice. She has this wonderful way of hitting huge skyrocketing notes without any effort. You think she's wailing, but she's actually not at all. She's nowhere near wailing. I'm a geek like this. Yeah. I'm, I truly, this is like a joy yeah. to learn this kind of thing. And so there's that. There's learning about her emotional life and figuring out where that comes from, listening to her speak, mm -hmm. finding out what her cadence is, mm -hmm. all of that. Because it fascinates me. You also, did the same, you also did the same thing in, in Harriet yeah. in using your voice yes. to try to resonate with her in the story because yeah. I, I don't know if many people know this, that Harriet Tubman, as I'm sure others did also, used the voice mm -hmm. and the singing to, mm -hmm. communicate, to communicate to the slaves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I wanted to find out where her voice would resonate and where it would match mine to find her singing voice because I don't it's not a performance, you know? Mm -hmm. it, it needs to feel and is communicative. Yes. You know? And so we were, I, Casey and I were like, where would we put it? Is, I knew she wasn't a soprano, because that's what I am. And I was like, yeah. that doesn't feel right. Make, let's put the voice further down. Let's make it come from the diaphragm, from the chest, make her an alto, and that's where it felt right. Yeah, that's how you use your voice yeah. to, to connect with the real Harriet. Yeah. 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 How did that feel when you felt like you got it? It's a strange and wonderful thing to experience. Because I feel like there's nothing more vulnerable than when you sing. Mm -hmm. And so when you find someone else's voice and get to sing for them, that was, that was eye-opening. I heard or read that you'd said that this role of Harriet has left a scar on mm. your soul. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? I think working with her on her learning about her life, learning about the loss that she suffered, learning about the losses that she dealt with. I don't think you can ever really leave that because your, your body doesn't know that it's not real. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing about acting. Yeah, mm -hmm. you, you do it for real. Yeah. And so, I'm, yeah, I get stuck it's with in it. There. Yeah. It's in there. It's in there. It doesn't, hasn't gone anywhere. In a good way? Yeah, I think so. It's given me an understanding of who she was and how she lived. I don't know. It feels like she's just always around. Mm. She abides with you. Yeah. Abides with you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I get to talk about her a lot. So it feels like I keep giving her the, the, the room, the floor. Yeah. So what does it feel like to be able to hmm, use your self-expression, your voice, your vehicle, all of you, to embody the stories of women of color? It's a privilege. Yeah. Because I know that there are so many stories that don't get told. We don't get to see them, and I make like specific, I choose specifically because I 
want to make sure that the stories that we see of ourselves, they're full, rounded, three-dimensional, four-dimensional stories. And I have opened myself to it and given everything of myself to it because I believe that's what's necessary to tell it fully. Yeah, and that's why in The Color Purple, when everybody sees you on stage singing, I am here, it becomes the anthem for all women everywhere. Could you feel that? Yeah. 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 Thank you for giving that to us. Thank you. Good job. Good Thank job. You. Good job. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. <laughs>